0: The garden is everything. We can be the symphony, the museum, the zoo, the art garden, and we can do it all because we have no walls except the conservatories, and we can bring music, theater here.
1: With each season, there are compelling reasons to visit this 30-acre public garden that's an urban oasis for Atlanta with an additional 185-acre public garden In Gainesville.
2: On today's episode, we visit the Atlanta Botanical Garden to learn about its history, impact, and mission. We meet plants and people from the giant statues to the international and local visitors. Come along with us for this nature-focused show featuring literary icons, botanical beer, and much more.
1: You're listening to Peace and Prosperity, a podcast hosted by a dad and daughter duo telling economic, cultural, and historical stories around Georgia. I'm Jeff, and that's...
2: Julia. Our conversation begins with Mary Pat Matheson, the Anna and Hayes Mershon President and CEO of the Atlanta Botanical Garden. She is full of energy and a passion for
1: plants. I love to start every interview with some variation of this question. How did you get here? In this case, the answer began with a persistent caller.
0: So she kept calling me for about two months, and I kept saying no, no, and no, and then one day she called and she said, okay, I just need to meet you in person. What airport will you be in? anytime in the next few weeks. And I said, well, I'm going to Boston next Thursday. And she said, will you give me an hour? And of course I said, well, of course, I'm happy to do that. So we met for an hour and she talked about not only the city, but this garden and where it was in its growth and how the board at that point were really looking for someone with ideas that would open the door to the entire community to really make it about everyone in our community and from beyond, and that there was a deep commitment to plant conservation, which is so important to me, and that we had some really talented people working here. And so it piqued my curiosity, and I got on a plane and came to Atlanta and found it very intriguing. And what convinced me to come was that the board of the garden was ready for change, and that they really did want to do the creative, programmatic things that I believe in with a strong commitment to the plant collections and creating beauty and bringing everyone to this garden. And they were so truly committed to that. And I looked at the garden as a canvas that had yet to have paint on it because it was still a young, small garden. The Orchid Center just opened, but the Canopy Walk, Edible Garden, none of that was here. So those were the paints that we got to use to create this beautiful garden that you know today. So it's been a 17-year dream. It's been amazing.
1: And she has painted a beautiful picture in so many ways.
0: I love serendipity. It's a word I use a lot. I was calling Chihuly Studios in Seattle while Parks Anderson, who is one of their lead designers and works closely with Dale, was here working with the cousins, Tom and Ann Cousins, who owned a building in Buckhead because they were buying the first major piece of Chihuly's work in the city of Atlanta. And he was here to do the installation and work with them. And while he was here, he knew there was a botanical garden. So he came over the garden, took pictures of the garden. He went back to Seattle and using Photoshop, he dropped images of Dale's glass into our garden. And then two weeks later, I get a packet from Parks Anderson and Chihuly Studios with images of our garden with his glass. It was like meant to be. So then we connected, obviously, and planned the first major exhibit in 2004. Among the first of their kind, the exhibition demonstrated that the garden
2: was the perfect canvas for internationally acclaimed sculpture. That show actually doubled garden visitation and membership. Several iconic works are now a part of the garden's permanent collection. Building off of this success, the garden embarked on another special initiative that distinguishes it from other gardens.
0: The exhibit work that we do, because we're really known for that internationally, it's phenomenal. In 2013, an iconic woman made her debut as part of that exhibit. The Earth Goddess weighs 21 tons. She's a building of steel, and then there's fabric that holds the soil in, and then we put the plant roots in, and we have a phenomenal team that does the horticulture on those. Maintain her status,
1: we learned there's an internal irrigation system in 18,000 annuals within the plant, Statue.
0: So, Imaginary Worlds, the Alice in Wonderland, is made by the same friends of ours, colleagues in Montreal. They really perfected this art form, which they call Mosaic Culture. We're the only place in the United States that showcases their work. This is our second partnership with them.
1: This year, a few more statues were added to create the Imaginary Worlds exhibit.
0: The Alice in Wonderland pieces are, and it's so much fun. You see little kids come dressed in their Alice in Wonderland outfits and their little top hats and white rabbit hats. And it's just, you realize what an important book that was to all of us growing up still today. The White Rabbit 30 feet tall, sitting in an umbrella, and completely planted. So it's steel, architecture, art form, sculpture, and horticulture all combined. Danny Flanders was our unofficial but very official tour guide
2: as he took us around the garden. A former journalist who covered the garden beat for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, he works as the garden's public relations and marketing manager. Well, Imaginary worlds is 11 installations throughout the garden. And with a focus on Alice's Wonderland, which we'll see in a minute. A lot of them are mythological. Some of them are dragons, mermaids, pegasus. So here you have the giant white rabbit. He's 22 feet tall. It's an umbrella with the hat on the side. You'll see the clock, the ace of spades. And this is probably the most intricate sculpture in the exhibition. If The umbrella's planted in all of that alternanthera, the reddish plant. It's just grown together and formed this mat. And this is when you can really see where the the term mosaic culture comes from. If you see his vest, it's like a mosaic.
1: With each season, there's a special draw to the garden. In summer, its focus has been cocktails and a new grown-up beverage this year.
0: We have our own new garden beer. Wild heaven, it's fabulous. Lime leaves and hibiscus out of the conservatory, it's delicious. It is like flying off the shelves. And we have different mixologists and we have live music and fun little things for people to do while they're here. In the fall, it's the Friendly Straw Statues. This will be our 17th year doing Scarecrows. And it is a community event. You know, a Scarecrow from the Wizard of Oz sitting down in a cornfield. These are Scarecrow vignettes, whole families and activities. They're just amazing. And this year will be a banner year because we're also bringing in some artists to do some new Scarecrows that will be different
1: And in the winter, it's the lights.
0: And when we talk about events lately, it's kind of hard not to talk about garden lights because we started that in 2011, and it became our number one season within a year. And last year, we did almost 200,000 visitors, which was phenomenal, even though it rained almost every weekend. (laughs) And what I love about that, you see families with four generations, You know, how often do we see that in our world anymore? Because we're all running so fast. We're so busy. But when you can see the little biddies, the parents, the grandparents, and sometimes the great-grandparents moving along in their scooters, and they're having this wonderful outdoor, and that is the other part of it, outdoor experience in nature, in a garden filled with love and happiness. And it's not about what holiday you are celebrating. It's about being together during a beautiful season, which for us is winter which before we did holidays in the garden, whoever's outside in the winter in Georgia, everybody's thin, thin thin-blooded. So it's just great to see people put on their warm jackets and come out and enjoy that. You know, 120-foot forest of trees that we can hang the lights off of and do no harm to the trees, by the way, and create that immersive light experience. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty magical. An anchor to
2: many of these special gatherings is a vegetable garden. But it's not
0: your ordinary vegetable garden. I wanted to do an edible garden and in part because this garden years ago had a vegetable garden that was very popular. So it was nice to bring it back, but in a more contemporary view. So not to just do vegetables. We have fig trees and pear trees and we can showcase a spalier, which is an art form on how to prune apples and pear trees. And we can grow vegetables that people don't even know what okra looks like. Well, guess what? It's out there in bloom and okra is growing out there. We can showcase tomatoes but also kohlrabi. When you want to show people in our world what food looks like and where it comes from, you also want to feed them. So that was why we built the outdoor kitchen. And that kitchen, I bet we serve at least 15,000 people a year food out there. We have our own chefs that cook on the weekends. And then we have two or three different special chef series you can sign up for. And you're going to have the best food and the best experience in the edible garden through any one of those programs, but especially the Well-Seasoned Chef program, which is the best chefs in Atlanta cooking in that kitchen and talking about where food comes from. And we're here to connect people to plants. while well, connecting them through their stomach and their food and learning about healthy food is really an important part of our mission, and the edible garden helps us serve that. You cannot have a beverage, an adult beverage, that doesn't come from a plant. It's coming from juniper, and it's coming from potatoes, and it's coming from grain. And of course, it's coming from grapes, since I like wine. The garden is driven
2: to educate and address the impact of environmental forces, not just in Atlanta, but around the world, with their expertise of conservation and
0: a research team. The loss of plants which relates to the loss of animals and insects and birds, because you can't have any of those things without plants, is really something we're concerned about. And so we're working hard to save the planet one plant at a time. And our staff are really great at doing that. We have three PhDs on our staff working on plant conservation.
1: At the garden, you can... Explore the largest collection of orchids on permanent display in the U.S. They represent two climate environments and 2,000 species of orchids, the largest and most diverse plant family in the world. That is why the team specializes in caring for orchids, not only at home, but around the world.
0: We're now working in Vietnam and parts of China. We're working in Cuba and the Caribbean. So we just went to the Caribbean and helped find some orchids that are almost lost and collect the seed this fall, and then work with our friends in the Caribbean to grow that seed and reintroduce it into the wild. So,
2: The garden is rooted in
0: giving, in particular, the giving of time and funds. You know, this is a nonprofit run like a business, which is why we're so successful. And we can, you know, put our success back into our mission. The lifeblood of the garden is our volunteers. You know, isn't that amazing to want to spend 20 hours or 10 hours or four hours a week at this garden working with horticulturists, pulling weeds, or my favorite thing, are gems. The garden essential maintenance people; those are our horticulture volunteers. They deadhead; they're out there, you know, snipping the dead flowers off of plants to make sure they look beautiful. They also welcome our guests in the visitor center. We have great docent program to teach the children who come here, and they do it all voluntarily with their extra time. And they're an amazing group of people. The investment from this generous community is at least one hundred and thirty million dollars in in less than fifteen years. All private philanthropy and. That is a testimony to the people in this community and in the Gainesville community. What a generous group of people to share our vision and invest in it. And they're all part of the family now. You know, giving and making your community better through giving money and time is the heart and soul of who we are as a nation. And volunteerism is the same thing. And it's something to be proud of about America, that we give back to our communities. And I think we need to celebrate that more. I think we need to realize that what we do is special in the world and that now other countries are looking at the work that we do in fundraising and philanthropy. But we wouldn't be here without that. Without volunteers and philanthropy, this garden wouldn't exist.
2: Through this support, ranging in levels from individual or garden associates all the way to the orchid circle, the garden can offer incredible plants,
0: exhibits, and events.
1: Support like this gives the garden the ability to emphasize education, starting with its youngest members
0: if the plants disappear, then human life as we know it is going to change as well. So we're really committed to becoming a training center for young people. And we start with kindergarten. So we bring in every kindergartner in the city of Atlanta for the cultural experience program. And then we work with third, fourth, and fifth graders. We have a middle school program and now a high school internship program where students come and work here for the summer and a college internship program where we work with Spelman, Georgia Tech, Georgia State, UGA. Florida. There are many that we are working with today and more to come. And we really expect to not only be working with interns, but one day to collaborate with the university on a master's program, plant conservation, and bringing the life sciences back so that we can continue to do good work in the field, which is essential. This commitment to the community draws it to visit. And I love walking the garden because you can see people of all walks of life, every language, every color, every part of our community in this garden every single day. It's a mosaic of people. I love that.
1: (laughs) As we walked around, we met locals and visitors from all around the world. My name is Marco.
0: I'm Destiny. Cindy.
1: We're on vacation. We actually have three different careers in three different areas. I am actually living in Missouri. My friend Destiny's from Baltimore, Maryland, and my friend Cindy's in Michigan. So we all decided to meet here and check the gardens out.
0: I think it's really impressive. I was just telling them how it must have taken a lot of planning to make these sculptures just because all of these plants have different needs. And so to make sure that when you take care of the whole sculpture, you're not overwatering some and not others, it just like the whole garden seems like it takes a lot of like. A lot of effort and planning, which I really appreciate.
2: So extensive, and especially the Amazon part. There's just so much to explore.
1: Well, I mean, I do have my herb garden, but that makes me a plant dad for sure, but not a uh, botanist, I don't think.
0: No, I have a cat, and he kills all my plants. So, And I kill my own plants, so I don't consider myself a plant person at all. But this inspires me. Asking Cindy, I was like, would you have a botanical garden if you could? And we all would, but it would have to be taken care of by someone else. Mm-hmm. Together,
2: they discovered the garden and some of its inhabitants. Well, when we walked around this corner over here, I, we saw the lily pads, and I was like, man, I really wish we could see a frog on a lily pad, and then... Look
0: two seconds later she's like oh my
2: gosh there's one right there and then we just kept walking and looking for more and they're easier to find once you can see them
1: when you're planning your visit to the atlanta botanical garden be sure to check out their website where there's a very cool itinerary feature on atlantabg.org and you can select what type of visit you're searching for and a garden visit schedule will be suggested for you
2: It's really cool and super helpful when we were visiting. Thanks for listening to Peach and Prosperity. And thank you to Andrew Seidenberg for the music on this episode. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a review if you like what you've listened to. You can also take a look at our adventures in between episodes on Instagram and Facebook. And we've got a lot of great pictures of the special exhibit at the Atlanta Botanical Garden and the people we met there.